But today we're going to be chatting about all things sorting sleep. So, ironically, I didn't sleep very well last night, so there's loads of practical examples of me for me to use in today's session. Um, make sure you've got a cup of something nice. Hope probably one of the first warm drinks you've had a week. Get a cup of something nice, get yourself a pen and paper or an iPad or whatever you use to take notes because there's a couple of things I want you to jot down today and a couple of um, things for you to take away. So as you come on, just click the Ecamm link, give Ecamm permission and then let me know who is watching guys. It's always much nicer for me to chat to you rather than just chat at you. Chat with you rather than chat at you is the best way to put that one. Right, so I'm gonna jump into it though. Today we are here to talk about sleep, to help you better understand your sleep, how it affects you day to day, and to create a bit of a plan to improve your sleep, which is why you're gonna need your paper and pen. So before we jump into it or go any further, what I want you to do is I want you to think about these six, yeah, there's six there. I want you to think about these six areas of your sleep. So you've got your sleep regularity. So that is basically when it comes to your sleep times, let's say someone went to bed um, or someone fell asleep exactly at 9.30 and woke up at exactly six every single day, seven days a week, they would get a sleep regularity score of 10 out of 10. If you go to bed at completely different times, you wake up at completely different times, you would get a regularity score of like one or two, right? So that's what regularity is. How regular are you, is your sleep window? Routines, what are your routines like leading up to bed? Again, zero in the middle, guys. If you haven't done one of these star charts before, zero in the middle and a 10 right at the end, okay? So right by the arrowhead is a 10 out of 10, and right in the middle is a zero. If you want to just give them numbers and ratings, you don't need to draw the, the star chart. Next one then is gonna be your sleep quality. So this is how, basically, you can, you can tell, you can typically tell your sleep quality from how rested you feel when you wake up. But if you've got a sleep tracker, if you use Sleep Cycle or Fitbit or, or an Apple Watch, they might have some data that tells you your sleep quality. So roughly, from zero in the middle to 10 on the outside what's your sleep quality quantity is obviously how many hours you get if you're getting five hours a night your sleep quantity is going to be quite low if you're getting eight hours it's going to be quite high your sleep environment there so we're thinking about your bedroom and whatever room you spend the most time in about an hour before sleep rate your sleep environment from zero to ten for me and then your daytime routines so obviously if you're drinking coffee at eight o'clock at night if you are not drinking any water, if you're getting no exercise in, if you're um, getting no daylight in, your daytime um, score would be quite low. If you feel like your daytime activity really supports your sleep, then you'll get quite a high daytime score. So do that for me now, guys. Give yourselves some ratings in those areas, and then we will move on. And as you're watching, guys, I can see we've got a few people watching. Say hello, let me know who's watching, so that I don't feel like I'm chatting to myself. Now, I know that Ecamm, um, for a couple of people in the Facebook group, has been a little bit glitchy recently. So if you are watching and you're trying to comment, but your comments aren't coming up, text me on our WhatsApp chat and just say that you are watching because I know that Ecamm's been a bit glitchy for some people. Anyway, guys, that should have been enough time for you to give yourself some scores, zero to 10 in these six areas, okay? What this is gonna do is this is gonna show you the areas that are scoring the lowest. This is gonna show you where your focus needs to go. So for example, if your, if, if your routine was a two out of 10, you need to listen to all the stuff about routine really closely, you need to make notes. 
if your environment was a two out of 10 for sleep, you need to think about that, all right? So that should give you two or three things to really focus on in today's session. Again, say hello. I haven't actually had anyone say hello and I've got a few people watching, guys. Come on, don't be shy. You, you, you can say hello. Um, and if your comments aren't working, drop me a text. Right, so let's get into it. Straight away, let's talk about sleep. On the right, you can see this uh, diagram. This is what we call your circadian rhythm, okay? And it's like a natural kind of rhythm that happens throughout the day. And because of certain cues in your day, it's kind of almost like a habit loop, isn't it? And um, because of certain cues in your day, mostly daylight, your activity levels, when you're eating. Hey, hey Jack, hope you're doing well, bud. Um, because of certain cues in your day, certain things will happen. So you'll notice, you know, some really exciting ones. Um, well, exciting for me anyway. Um, you know, your best muscle strength and cardio, cardiovascular efficiency. So basically, you're stronger and you can exercise better. Um, it's typically, for most people, higher kind of 4 to 5 p.m., right? So for me, that's quite an exciting thing because I know that if I go and train at that time, I'm going to have better kind of output. Uh, another really important one is around 9 to 10 p.m., your melatonin, your sleep hormone secretion increases. And that's really, really important because that's going to help you with your sleep, right? So loads and loads of these different things happen at different points in the day because of certain cues that we're going to talk about now. So your sleep routine isn't just your hour before bed. Your sleep routine is your whole day, which sounds a bit bizarre, but I'm going to explain that as we go through. So when you wake up in the morning, you are awoken by basically by sound and your cortisol levels, mainly your cortisol levels. So that's your stress hormone, by the way. So if you ever wake up and within about 30 to 45 minutes, you're feeling quite stressed or you're rushing around or you're quite short with someone, that's because your cortisol level is highest at 30 minutes after you wake up. That gets you out of bed. That makes you, that brings you into the day. <clears throat> if you were then to go and get some daylight in at that point, so very quickly after you wake up, you're gonna really help this circadian rhythm. So daylight is something I'm gonna keep talking about. This is why some people feel really, really low during, for other reasons as well, during the winter months, because we don't have that natural daylight. This is why health and happiness scores are higher for people who live abroad, where they have kind of year round sun or you know nine months of sun. Daylight is a really, really big factor. So this circadian rhythm, like I say, is the flow of your day. Melatonin is your sleep hormone, and we want that kind of, like we said, 8 to 10 p.m. at night. We want that in that range, and it usually does happen if we get these other things right. Sleep isn't always about the hours that you do, okay? It's not the hours that you're asleep. If you have junk, what I call junk hours, you might be asleep for eight hours, like I was last night, but you might not wake up having have had good sleep quality. And again, I'm going to talk about my example from last night as we go through. Make sleep purposeful. Sounds weird, but don't think about sleep as something that just happens. Think about it as an action that you're taking. Again, we just spoke about the eight-hour eight rule. If it's more about the quality than the quantity, and there's this very long, um, complicated word there: your suprachiasmatic nucleus or your suprachiasmatic nuclei, and that is basically a bunch of receptors on the bottom of the brain, and that is um, sensitive to daylight. So, where I talk about that daylight, that's the little bunch of cells that helps you to basically take in that daylight, obviously through your, your retinal um, pathways, daylight comes in, hits that bunch of cells, and then your kind of systems start to, think about it like rebooting, right? So some really, really important key ones there. And we can clearly see where some of our attention would be well placed. We're gonna talk about that in a second. 
So what's the point? Why bother prioritising sleep? You've all been there, particularly those of you who have got children or, um, you know, oh, we're all teachers, so we've all been through that first few years of teaching, right? Sleep is massively, massively important. If we don't get great sleep, our short-term memories don't consolidate to long-term memories, so we can feel quite forgetful. Our cognition, our brain, um, our brain processes are down-regulated. Our hormonal health, particularly our reproductive hormones, but also things like our hunger hormones. So the hung the hormone that makes you feel hungry, that is ghrelin, that goes through the roof. So when you have poorly slept, you are hungrier. The hormone that helps you feel satiated and full goes through the floor. So basically, if you have poor sleep, you're hungrier and you feel like you need more food. Also, we can see some impact on things like serotonin and dopamine and what, what happens when those um, chemicals are low in the brain, we look for quick fixes. So the brain looks for little hits of dopamine. Where does it look? It looks for food. So we get sugary, salty cravings, plus we're hungry, plus we need more to feel full. It's a bit of a recipe for disaster. So we need decent sleep. It is an absolute pillar. That's why it's one of the five foundations. Effects obviously on your recovery from the gym, it affects on your motivation, massive impacts on your mental health, um, and obviously stress patients. So when it comes down to what's the point, there's a lot of points. This is a really, really important one, okay? As we go through, guys, let me know if there's anything that resonates with you, if there's anything that particularly stands out for you, if there's anything that you think, right, okay, cool, Sam's watching. Hey, Sam. Sam, we'll figure out why it's not working for you later on, okay? Um, we will, we will um, as, you, as we go through, sorry, is what I was saying, let me know anything that stands out. Something, if there's anything that you didn't know, pop a comment because what happens is people come and watch this later and they'll be able to look through the comments and they'll see basically all the key takeaways. So you'll be helping the rest of the team out. This is a quote that I absolutely love. Sleep is the golden chain that binds our health and our bodies together. And it absolutely is. So let's talk about how sleep actually works then, the, the, the sleep cycle, so to speak. Now, a really important thing to note before we go into this is this isn't a straight line. It is a cycle. And you can come out at any point, so where those black lines are, you can come out at any point and you can kind of go back to a previous stage. So if someone was to disturb you, obviously you'd come out of some of the deeper layers and you'd kind of come back in at the earlier layers. So non-REM one, so non-rapid eye movement one, is stage one, basically. It's the lightest sleep, it's the onset of sleep. It's where you're just drifting off. You know the really annoying one where someone kind of wakes you up and you're like, oh, it's just asleep. That, that stage, right? So you've still got some kind of awareness. Then we go into stage two, non-REM stage two. This is where your body temperature starts to really drop, your breathing rate drops a little bit more, um, your heart rate drops a little bit. This is about 20 minutes of your sleep cycle. Then we go into stage three. This is your deepest sleep. It's really restorative, so loads of restorative processes happen. During this stage, the brain is kind of like bathed, I guess would be the best word. So the metabolic waste, all the waste of its processes throughout the day is taken, metabolized by the liver. So that's obviously a really important, like, I don't want to, well, it's not scientific, but I'm gonna say cleaning process. It's not, not the, the scientific way of looking at it. But yeah, it's kind of like a cleaning, kind of cleansing process, I guess. Um, that happens there, your muscles relax, your breathing rate will drop again, your blood pressure will, will drop as well. So loads of important things happen here. Then we go into the deepest stage sleep. So that is, sorry, the, the second deepest, that is your REM sleep. At this point, your brain starts to become a bit more active again, but your body becomes immobilized. So this is where sleep uh, dreams happen and kind of like um, like sleep thoughts and, and other bits and bobs happen. 
it's really, really important. Both these last two stages are absolutely crucial for that brain health, okay? So if, if you've ever struggled with anything to do with the brain, anything to do with memory, cognition, <laughs> anything really, which is probably most processes of the body, those last two stages are gonna be super, super important, okay? So that is the sleep cycle in a sense. One of these sleep cycles will take around on average about 90 minutes. There is some research they're looking into of like mini sleep cycles that are like 30 minutes long, but around 90 minutes. So what that means is actually, stop you reading that. What that means is that if we wanna figure out when we need to go to bed, we need to work from the time we wake up in the morning and work backwards in 90 minute chunks. For example, if you wanna get up at six o'clock in the morning and you wanna get a good seven and a half hours sleep or nine, nine hours sleep, obviously working in hour and a half chunks, work backwards. So you get up at um, six, you wanna get seven and a half hours sleep. You need to be asleep asleep for half past 10. That doesn't mean in bed for half past 10. That means completely not, you know, zonked out for half 10. So that means probably getting to bed at half nine, quarter to 10, 10 o'clock. And that's important. What I want you to think about is I don't want you to think about bedtime. I want you to think about sleep time because the time we spend in bed doesn't count towards your sleep hours. So we talked about circadian rhythm. We talked about why sleep's important. We talked about the sleep cycle. So let's go into what are the absolute fundamentals of sleep. If you've got issues with sleep, this is where you start. These are the basics. Pop a comment, guys, before we move on. What have you taken away so far? We've got a good few people watching. What have you taken away? Give me one thing that has you didn't know, one thing that you think somebody else should know, or one thing which you're going to go and implement. Pop something in the chat. Sam, drop me a text. <laughs> what? I know that you've been working on this, um, but what are you gonna? What are you gonna be um, changing? So, sleep staples. Whilst you're doing that, let's go through these. Movement during the day is gonna be a massive one. Probably mostly because it's gonna be outside. Hopefully now with the nice weather coming in, the day, day getting longer. So, movement during the day is gonna also double up with sunlight exposure. Like we said, that sunlight, that daylight is gonna really impact on that circadian rhythm. If you're not getting exposure to daylight, you're not gonna probably, probably not gonna sleep very well. Okay, and the really important thing is if you're someone who's sitting there thinking, well, I don't need any of this because I sleep well, how are your energy levels? Because falling asleep and the quantity of your sleep <clears throat> isn't the same as your quality of sleep. So we're here to improve the quality not just the quantity, okay? So even if you think you fall asleep well, or you stay asleep and you you know, you know, are asleep, if you're still feeling rubbish during the day, it's probably not working very well for you. So those are the two things. The next one is caffeine. So caffeine has about a five hour half-life. <clears throat> so if somebody was to have um, 100 milligrams, so a very strong coffee at 3 p.m., so the kids have just gone, you know, 3, 3.30, you go and have a coffee, right? You have a coffee, that caffeine's in your system. At 8 p.m. at night, five hours later, you've still got 50 milligrams because it's a half-life. Then at 1 a.m., you've still got 25 milligrams in your system. Now, bear in mind that lots of you are gonna be trying to go to bed at 10, quarter past 10, half past 10. You're gonna have be sitting there with like 50 to 40-ish milligrams of caffeine still pumping through your system. Even if you feel like this doesn't impact you, because this does depend on your metabolism and sensitivities, even if you think this doesn't impact you, it could impact the quality of your sleep. You might fall asleep all right, but you might be sleeping really pants during the night. 
So hydration is another huge one. If you're not well hydrated, you're not gonna sleep well. Like we said, your body temperature will decrease in the onset of sleep. Hydration is a huge part of managing body temperature. If you're dehydrated, you're not gonna sleep very well. Exercise is a really important one. This is gonna help obviously with endorphins, it's gonna help with serotonin levels, it's gonna help you feel more calm, more relaxed, which is obviously gonna impact on sleep. Also, it might tire you out a little bit, not mentally because we're teachers, we're tired mentally all the time, but we might be um, more tired physically and your body might be more prepared for rest if you exercise that day. You might notice the difference between days you do and don't. If you eat dinner too early, you eat dinner too late, both of those things can impact on your sleep. If you're going to bed and your belly's rumbling, you're probably not going to sleep great. If you're going to bed and you're absolutely stuffed, this is a good point for me to talk about yesterday, then you're probably not going to sleep great. So last night I went out for a curry, huge curry. It's great, lovely, delicious, really, really good meal. Best best lamb dress I think I've ever had. The lamb was amazing. Um, but I had two pints of beer with my curry and obviously a huge, huge meal, right? I didn't sleep great last night because alcohol impacts on your sleep. Even if, you know, when you when you had a few too many, you, you go to sleep very quickly, but the sleep quality is terrible. So for me, even after having two pints, because I don't really drink much anymore, even after having two pints of beer with a meal, I can tell that that's impacted on my sleep quality during the night because I just don't feel super rested and relaxed. Also, I went to bed very, very full, very, very stodgy, that's not gonna help, that's not gonna have helped my sleep. I was very restless, I woke up about four times in the night, you know, weird vivid dreams, all this kind of stuff because of the alcohol and the size of my meal. <clears throat> also, I was super dehydrated. I had two big pints of water before bed, uh, glasses of water, two glasses of water when I woke up and, and I've had another one since, plus a tea and a coffee, and I still feel a bit dehydrated. So hydration is gonna play a massive part. Again, I was on my laptop, Terrible for me to admit, I know. But I got in and obviously because I went out for dinner, I was behind on a couple of jobs, had a couple to reply to, and I was on my laptop about 10 minutes before sleep. All of these things, and I went to bed a little bit later than normal. So you can see all the things that I did last night were not counter, counter uh, were counterintuitive for my sleep, counterproductive for my sleep. So those are your sleep staples. If you're not doing those, Write them down because you need to focus on those. Cool, got some comments coming in. Um, Jack says, tend to be in bed by 10, but not sleeping until midnight and then up at six. Yeah, and you, you think about that, Jack, you've only got four sleep cycles then. You've got four lots of 90 minutes. Really important thing is to kind of think about, mate, what are you doing between 10 and 12? And also what are you doing between nine and 10? Because what you do between nine and 10 might be impacted on what you do between 10 and 12. But don't worry, we are going to... Um, we're gonna we're gonna look at that how we're gonna sort that out no worries and um focus on bedtime instead of sleep time yeah most people do most people do but you think if you say oh i went to bed at 10 but actually i didn't go to sleep till quarter past 11 it's not the same thing right cool we've got a few people watching who haven't written a comment i see you guys let me know what have you taken away so far from this session give me one thing one thing you've learned one thing that you're going to implement one thing that you think will be useful for somebody else okay Right, let's talk about your bedroom then. So your sleep space, cool temperature, that helps with that body temperature coming down in the early stages of sleep. Dark as possible because light will obviously impact on your um, melatonin production. We know that daylight, light exposure is really, really important. We wanna minimize light, minimal noise as well. The best way that I can describe this, and I say this every time, the best way I can describe this is to imagine how a cave person would have slept, okay? 
because it would have been cool. They would have been, hopefully, unless there was like a saber-toothed tiger around, they would have hopefully been quite calm. They certainly wouldn't have been on their phones. They would have had just the fire, so red, the red spectrum of, uh, the red part of the spectrum of light. It would have been, you know, fresh air, probably minimal noise other than a few animal noises. You know, that's kind of what we want to re uh, reproduce for ourselves, pretty much. Comfy, clean bedding, obviously. A warm shower before, because you get out a warm shower, your body temperature or a bath, your body temperature will start to naturally come down because of that, that can help. A small carbohydrate-based meal, so for a lot of people, a small bowl of oats before bed can help. There's a link between the carbo the slow release, the complex carbohydrates like oats and pastas and rices and things, um, and melatonin, so there's a link there for some people. And if you're, you know, if you're kind of wanting to get an even bigger bang for your luck, natural lavender. So not lavender scented things, but natural lavender sprays and oils, that kind of stuff um, could be really, really useful. There is a good amount of evidence now that lavender, natural lavender can support some of the kind of processes that happen as you start to fall asleep. So those are, that's your kind of sleep space. Be really honest with yourself. Which ones of those are you not using right now? Which ones are you maybe neglecting? Okay, now a really, really big one is obviously, you can see this person here is in bed watching TV, right? When we look at devices, we all know this, but I'm gonna say it anyway, phones, laptops, TV screens, even when we put the nighttime mode on to some extent, we still have blue light coming from them. And blue light is gonna impact on that melatonin production. Because if you imagine, you know, when we go out and we're in the sun, it's telling us to stay awake. And then we go home and it's half past nine and we're almost getting like a, an artificial sun, if you imagine it that way, given that your, your retinal pathways, the same input goes into that little bundle of cells that tells your circadian rhythm what to do. It's basically telling your body that it's still daytime, even though it's 11 o'clock at night. So the biggest switch that you can make is no screen time, but for about, if possible, I'll be realistic, for about an hour before bed. If you can avoid screen time for an hour before bed, you're gonna make sure that you're giving your body, your circadian rhythm, enough time to recognize that it's nighttime and enough time to release and secrete some melatonin, okay? So minimizing screen time, screen time before bed is gonna be a huge one. Again, another awesome quote, Dalai Lama, sleep is the best meditation. It really is the best way. If you're feeling very, very stressed, you feel like you need to calm down, sleep is gonna be the best thing that you can do. Right, next one then. Let's say that you've put the sleep fundamentals in place throughout your day. You've then perfected your, your evening routine and you've perfected your sleep environment. So you've got everything in place, which is very hard to do, but let's just say you have, and you're still struggling to sleep. These are some of the things that we can look at. These are the problem solvers. So something like reading, again, it's all screen free. Something like reading, journaling, just mind dumping. So this is literally get a piece of paper, get, you know, um, obviously not your phone, but get a piece of paper, get a book and just write. Put a little title in the middle if you want to, to structure your thoughts, but you just write and you write and you write. It could be a brain dump, it could be paragraphs, it could be a thought shower, just get it all out. Keep writing until you're basically, your brain isn't giving you any more thoughts in that first couple of minutes. If you're sitting there for about a minute or two and nothing's coming out, then you've probably done what you need to. And what happens is the brain, when you're very, very highly stressed and you've got lots of thoughts bouncing around your brain, what it does 
is it perceives that as a threat. It thinks that that's something really, really, when it is, it thinks it's something really, really important. So what it does is it keeps trying, keeps trying to remind you of that thing. So if you've got a deadline in the morning or if you've got an observation in the morning, it will keep reminding you of that. Because what it's trying to do is it's trying to protect you. The brain doesn't really care about much else other than the fact that you're alive. That's pretty much it. So what it will do is it will keep prompting you, keep bringing that memory up. It will keep putting it to the front of your queue, so to speak. So mind dumping all this stuff out can be really useful. Obviously, there's loads of apps like Headspace, Calm. Um, there's loads and loads of different meditation apps. Now, Calm is quite good. I'm quite a big um, fan of Calm. So obviously, try and do that before your hour of screen time. Soundscapes, you know, Rain on Car Roof is probably my favorite one. And you've got Soundscapes on all those apps as well. Whatever your phone, you can just type in, you know, relaxing Soundscapes and you'll get something like beaches and forests and rivers. That kind of stuff can really, really help. I'm going to show you a couple of breathing exercises in a second. So that those can be really useful because they can bring down your stress response. They can bring down your heart rate, bring down your breathing rate. And as we just saw, when you fall asleep, those are the things that happen. So basically, we're trying to kind of get you prepped, ready for that next section of sleep, right? Lavender pillow spray, like we said, or shampoos and baths, uh, bath salts and stuff that have got natural lavender, not scented, natural lavender. And if you wake from your bedroom, move from it. Don't stay lying in your bed because you're going to get frustrated and you're going to start to associate your bedroom with not being able to sleep. So take yourself away, keep those sleep conditions as positive as possible. So we're thinking here, cool, no screens, dark, relaxing, that kind of stuff. Don't go and put Netflix on and watch a horror movie because that's obviously not gonna help any of what we're talking about. We wanna keep you calm. Basically, that first hour before sleep is slowing your body down. That's what we're thinking of, right? Now, there's these strategies which I'll talk you through in a second, but you've also got two really, really simple ones. You've got box breathing. So that is basically four, well, depends on um, how many seconds, but about four seconds in, breathing, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. So in, hold, out, hold, that's the box. And you can do it for four seconds, you can do it for five seconds, it's totally up to you. What happens is when you're very, very stressed, your breath becomes short, sharp, and shallow. And what that means is that it heightens your stress response. And we've all done that fight or flight training. It starts to heighten that stress response and it starts to boost your cortisol levels. We know that cortisol wakes us up. We don't want cortisol, we want melatonin. So we need to really relax that breathing rate and relax that heart rate. So that's one. The next one is just a really, really simple one is the hand model. And these are great for uh, using with kids as well. So we breathe in on the way up and we go slowly and then we breathe down uh, out on the way down. And we just, just go through that more slowly than I am. In, out, in, out, in, out, okay? Really, really easy. And if you want, you can pause at the top of your finger as a, as a hold. So very similar to box breathing. Now there's three more things here that can be really useful to get you into a sleep state. The first one then could be what we call four, seven, eight breathing. So you put the tongue, put your tongue at the back of your teeth on the roof of your mouth. So not touching your teeth, but on the roof of your mouth, just behind your teeth. You keep it there for this whole exercise. You breathe four seconds in and try and hold it for seven seconds. And then you breathe eight seconds out. Now when you're breathing your eight seconds out, you wanna keep that tongue there, but you wanna almost make a sound that is a little bit like you're blowing out candles, but you keep your tongue there. And I'm not gonna lie, I don't know the actual neurology behind the tongue on the roof of the mouth, but I know it's quite calming. And there's the other technique is the tapping technique. I don't know if you've seen that. 
Um, but that's kind of where we tap almost like touch points. Um, and that can be quite good for like anxiety and for calming. Um, again, these are all things that have got loads of studies about them, guys. I wouldn't tell you just wishy-washy, woo-wah stuff. This is like evidence-based stuff. Um, the second one then is a body scan. And if you ever use Calm or Headspace, you'll know the body scan. So you basically start at your feet and you um, scan up and you just think about the sensations. And this is really hard to do. Um, it's very, very hard to do to actually be present in that moment. You're not gonna do it right now because I'm talking and you're gonna be distracted, but try it. You start, start at your feet, it's a physical check-in. What sensations do I have in my feet? Are they aching? Are they tense? And then as you go up and you kind of go through your ankles, into your calves, up to your thighs, into your hips, think about the tension that's there. And as you're kind of breathing away, so we're, again, we're doing deep breaths through the nose as we do this. As you're breathing away, I want you to kind of imagine that you're breathing out the tension. So when you, as teachers, when you get to kind of anywhere from here and above, your back on your back, you're obviously going to have a lot of tension in your shoulders, in your neck, in your head. You're often, your jaw will be clenched, okay? Your shoulders might be kind of raised up. So we, as you kind of scan up and you notice that, you want to kind of bring your shoulders down, soften your jaw, and as you breathe out, just imagine that tension kind of leaving your body. Visualise it leaving your body. That's a really, really good one, body scan. And then you've got what we call like belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing. So like diaphragm breathing. So you put one hand on your belly, just kind of um, almost like just above your belly button or on your belly button. And then one hand up in your chest. And the goal is to kind of breathe so that this hand stays still, but your other hand kind of moves in and out. Okay. And so we're kind of going to try and breathe into our belly, breathe to the bottom of your lungs. This is a part of the lungs that we don't often use. Because when we're doing short, sharp, short, sharp, shallow breath, when we're so stressed, we're using the lungs up here. We want to use these lungs, the ones that are right down towards the kind of bottom of your rib cage, just where your diaphragm is. Very, very rarely nowadays do we breathe in that part. So it might feel quite uncomfortable. It might feel quite tight. It might feel um, just like, you know, you might feel your lungs opening up and that might feel a bit weird, but try and practice that. So you basically breathe into your belly, you're trying to breathe in, so your belly moves out, your chest stays down, but you're feeling that though that ballooning at the bottom of your lungs. You can't see here at the bottom of your lungs. And as you breathe, as you continue this, try and tighten your stomach on your next breath. So you're really holding that diaphragm. Anyway, loads of techniques there that could be useful for you. So last slide, here's an example routine, guys. I've tried to make this as realistic as possible because we are teachers, we are very, very busy people. Our lifestyles are crammed. So I wanted to make this realistic. I didn't want to be like, you know, six till 9 p.m. I'll go for a yoga and a meditation walk and I'll do this and that and the other because that's not realistic. This is obviously not optimal, but this is realistic. And there's always that spectrum from optimal to realistic. And it's about where we fall on that, isn't it? So again, throughout the day, hydration, getting some daylight in, getting kind of eight to 12,000 steps in is great. Limit caffeine in the afternoon so that you're it's kind of out your system as much as possible. Even if you think someone, your son has built up a tolerance, please try it. Just give it a go. You can't say it doesn't affect you if you haven't given it a go. 6 to 7 p.m. is usually about dinner time. 7 to 8, kind of your final emails, finishing off some work, doing something for home, sorting out the bills, usual stuff, adulting. Then 8 to 9, you might have a bit of downtime, okay? So you might want to relax. You might want to watch TV with your partner. You might want to scroll on your phone. Again, I know this isn't optimal and I would highly recommend you try and minimize screen time throughout the evening, but I'm trying to be realistic here. We, we are human beings. 
starting to turn the lights down, not having any big bright lights, okay? If you can, try and finish on something quite light-hearted. Try not to watch a horrible, scary, jumpy movie just before bed. And then you've given yourself about an hour of downtime, um, an hour of screen-free time. So 9 to 10 p.m., no screens. Challenge yourself for the next seven days. And again, this even applies to the weekend, which I think is really important. I'll come back to that in a second. Challenge yourself for the hour before bed, whenever that is. Can you not have any screens? It's really hard, particularly if you use your phone as an alarm or you use your phone as a timer or something and you have it charging next to your head. It's really, really difficult. If you can, charge your phone outside of the bedroom and have some other kind of alarm clock. The Lumi, I think it's Lumi. I know that's a face thing, but I think it's also called a Lumi, the light. I'll, I'll send the link anyway. Um, and then obviously 10 p.m. falling asleep. So you've got a whole hour to wind down, right? That's just an example routine that can be really, really useful. Right, guys, we've got a good few people watching now. Pop a comment from what we've just looked at. What was most useful? Give me one big takeaway, one thing that you're going to go and put in place from today's session. It's a really important one because if we don't quite get this right, and I know this is very, very difficult for parents as well, but if we don't quite get this right, or if we don't prepare for it, everything else is going to become harder. So put one comment in there and then we will wrap up, guys. What have you taken away and do you have any questions? As you pop your comments in, I am just going to talk through something. So when we spoke about sleep times and wake times, trying to keep them similar throughout the week is really important. If you're getting up on the school days at quarter to six, but on the weekend you're getting up at quarter past nine, that's like a three and a half hour, I think, three and a half hour difference. You can kind of think of it as your body having like a mini jet lag because when you wake up at such different times, your body is basically waking up in a little different time zone. Your circadian rhythm is completely off kilter because you've woken up way later, like three hours is a big chunk of time for your body. You've waken up, woken up way later. So sometimes when you try and sleep things off and you try and get a lot of sleep, you're actually kind of affecting yourself negatively because you're throwing that regularity off. One of the most important things for sleep, other than screen time, is regularity. Probably above a lot of the other things, screen, no screen time and regularity. Those two will make a huge amount of difference. Jack says, I'm really conscious of effort of no blue, of making effort with no blue lights, screen, screen free time before bed. The biggest change I'll try and make, yeah, 100% mate. I'm gonna go and buy um, one of those Lumi clocks. I haven't got one, but I've been looking at it for ages. I think it's Lumi, um, because they kind of wake you up naturally with kind of natural natural looking light um, on the spectrum of light. And um, obviously you can leave your phone outside. So you're not scrolling TikTok, looking at cats playing pianos until like, you know, quarter to 12 or whatever. It's a really, really, really important part. Um, also make my focus, um, help me focus on other passions like reading. Yeah, 100%. Loads and loads of you guys love reading. I've spoken to loads of you about reading before. If you can, use, it, use this as a time to do something for you. This counts as your 15 minutes me time. That hour before bed can count as 15 minutes me time. Right guys, don't think we've got any questions, so I'm gonna wrap up today's session there. <laughs>